Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. So this book for me, Mm -hmm. not only, I think I bought it. I don't think this is one of my originals. And (laughs) while I was reading it, there was both blood and an unidentified substance that stuck some pages together. That is yellow. Ew! Oh! Oh no! Oh no! It's yellow substance. Wait. Oh no. So it's not jizz, most likely. But doesn't it turn yellow and crusty? It wasn't, like, crusty. It was just, like, the pages... Like, not like, oh, they were stuck together and you pull it apart and you could see a residue. More like they got wet and the pages kind of fused. So, like, you know when you okay. open... Like, in the... You know in the 1600s when you'd have to break <laughs> open your pages? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. So, do you think it's a bodily fluid or do you think it's, like, mellow yellow or some shit? I think it's, like, mellow yellow, but there's definitely blood in this book, too, and I don't think it's mine. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, that's comforting. So let this be a lesson to everybody. <laughs> Only buy books that are like new. <laughs> wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Did I ever tell you a story about my first book, my very first Animorphs book? No. So... Um, not like my very first ever got, that was 14, but then I decided to go back to one. So I bought the very first book, which is what I was trying to say before and then fucked up. And we had just gotten, uh, Tucker and he Mm -hmm. peed on my first book and I hadn't read it yet. Oh no. And so I was like, what, Tucker's a dog. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My little brother, Tucker. (laughs) My little brother, we had just bought him. Yeah. You know, as one (laughs) does. From the child store. (laughs) Yeah, you know, where you go and pick out the child on the shelves, like oh, American God. Girl dolls, but real. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> no, we didn't. So he peed all over my book. So, like, I hung it, like, to dry. And to this day, if you look at it on the shelf from the spine, it looks okay. But if you see the pages, they're a very distinct wavy format. And every time I look at it, I'm like, he peed on that. Do you think it's okay to read? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So, we have a book. We do. <laughs> Sorry, would you like to talk about this book? I would. Because okay. holy shit. Yes. Holy goddamn mother freaking shit. And so it begins. <laughs> God. It just it just we've been through so much nonsense in the past not nonsense but like you know you said this was the start of the end and it definitely felt like it (laughs) yeah we've been through so many kind of one-off side adventures and now it's like okay we're doing it now like yes very little lead up just kind of like throwing you (laughs) in welcome back from australia yeah boom (laughs) yep 
Yeah. Huh. Yep. And, and Ellen is back again. Holy shit. Yeah, Ellen Garrow. Oh my god. Welcome back. Wow, that's like three books in this in this uh, five book run. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, um, Ellen Garrow did Before the Familiar absolutely nothing. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, nope, she did 33, The Illusion. It's narrated by, oh, she did the torture book. The first torture book? The first, the Tobias torture book. Yeah, okay, okay, so okay, much. okay, 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 okay. And then she did It's okay. Familiar, but Not Too Not Familiar. And then she did The Test. Yeah. With And then she did this one. Hooray! Wow. So, yeah. So, Ellen's done the most so far. So, yeah. Fucking awesome-ass book. Yes. Yes. This book is... It, it seriously is like you read it and you're like, well, this is the beginning of the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah. it yeah. It's a lot epic. happens. Yeah, so much. Oh my god, I feel like I mean this was not one of our longer books. This just barely scrapes to the hundred and thirty page mark. But I have like six and a half pages of notes on it. Yeah, fucking everything happened in this book. Mm hmm. And it's, it's not like, oh, like, they threw... it. This isn't like um, She Whose Name We Will Not Speak book who, like, just threw all the ideas into, like, a big pot and was like, blah, blah, here's dinner. It's, like, it's a really well-thought-out, really epic journey and adventure from start to finish. And, uh, like, all of the characters mm-hmm. I were so fucking good. And, yes. like, Jake was the only one that I was, like, a little bit like, ooh, it, would Jake say that? But, like, it never was so abrupt that I didn't think about it until after I wrote it. Yeah. 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 And so the good. action versus like the character stuff was very well balanced and oh Yes. My oh my god. There was like one point where like it the chapter broke in half and like for the most part the book is like discussion character building and then action discussion character blah, blah, blah. but there's one where I was like they had a discussion and I was like oh man like this was so good I wish I had another chapter of discussion and then they did another chapter of discussion before going to the action and I'm like uh-huh. thanks thank you so, very helpful <laughs> thanks great yeah no it's really good and all of the characters were fucking great in this book yes. so I am so excited yeah I, but very curious as to how you reacted to Axe. But we can save that for when we talk about characters. Sweet. I'm ready to eat Let's a fucking talk. pizza because... A Red Baron pizza. I'm more of a tombstone gal, but fucking this opening just made me want like a microwave pizza. Not a microwave pizza, like a fucking put it in your oven pizza. And I haven't had one in like 10 years. So, really? Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we don't eat a lot of pizza at our house because cheese. Oh, that's and right. Matt. But yeah, really wanted a pizza after this opening. Fucking. I know I've told you this before, but you were the one that taught me to save the cardboard circle because you put the pizza back on it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> like, I never knew. Well, now you know. The more now you I know. know. I know. I always like pulled it out of the oven and put it like on a tray thing or like a cutting board. I never knew you could just put the just slide it right back on. It's like so convenient. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. College skills. 
college life skills. How to make pizza. Oh, God. really want pizza. So, speaking of pizza, we open with Marco cooking a pizza for everyone. That's cute. And it's it's adorable. And he's, like, talking up his cooking skills. He's like, Mm -hmm. I am the greatest chef of all time. Like, I've made a pizza in an oven. I'm using a real oven. And I'm like, that's very impressive. I'm proud of you. Yeah. And he's like, I I am using paper plates because I will not clean after this effort. Herculean effort that I have put in. He's so ahead of his time. Like, he's so fucking advanced. He is. He's like the adult that I've always wanted to be. Yes. <laughs> More than any other point in this book, at any time when they talk about how these kids have had to grow up too fast, this scene proved to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Yeah, so he's making a pizza. Nora gets home and she's like, hey. And he's like, hey. And it's kind of awkward. And then they're like, she's like, oh, sorry. There's like a faculty meeting. It's like, ugh, who likes school kind of a thing. Um, but then she's interrupted because Marco's dad pulls up to the house and walks in, like, whistling some tune. And he is very pleased and starts making, like, these vague-ass statements about how, like, you know, buying those shares is really gonna pay off. Uh, uh. And, like, Nora and Marco are like, yeah, what's going on? And he's like, it's top secret. And they're like, okay, like, well, why don't you tell us since you're so pleased? And blah, blah, blah. He's like, I really shouldn't. And they're like, come on. And he's like, okay. And he cracks under, like, no pressure at all. I know. It's like, you signed an NDA, Maurice. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he did. He's like, I signed that NDA, but who gives a shit? <laughs> I don't know what his actual name is, but I'm just going to call him Maurice. That's good, because I realized after about the 800th time I wrote Marco's dad in this thing that I really should know his name. So... <laughs> So I'm going to flip back and forth between calling him Maurice and Marco's dad. Perfect. (laughs) Oh, thank God. Um, Yeah, so anyways, he starts talking about this shit, and he, like, starts by talking about cones. And he's like, there's, like, two dimensions. And Nora's like, I love math. There's two dimensions to cones. He's like, no, actually, there's, like, four dimensions. And they're all like, you've lost me. And Marco basically just zones out at this moment. He's like, I don't give a shit about this. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking same. (laughs) (laughs) They start, like, talking math and shit. And, uh, uh, yeah. Marco is us. He's like, I'm just gonna go do homework. And then he, like, goes and sits on the couch and starts channel surfing. (laughs) (laughs) This is homework. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I'm a fan of the big pre-homework channel surf. It's gonna be good. Um, And he's not paying attention because he's, like, dicking around on the TV. But he can hear Nora and his dad talking in the kitchen. And so Nora's, like gets to this point where she's like, so what are you going to call this discovery of yours? And Marco's dad is like, how do you call nothing something? And then he goes, well, I guess we would just call it zero space. Whoa! Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, so Marco, yeah, Marco had that reaction. He jumps up and he's like, zero space! And I wrote, as his soul literally leaves his body. <laughs> <laughs> a ghost um, just flies out of his mouth. A ghost flies out of himself. He's like, ah, zero space. So uh, he jumps up, runs into the kitchen, and he's still trying to be like, hey, I'm cool. This is normal. But he's also, like, panicking. And he's like, so, like, what's going on, Dad? You, what do you mean the zero space? And he's trying to, like, determine in some way, like, if his dad is a yerk. And so he's, like, asking him stupid questions just to see if, like, he can sense any arrogance or any sort of, like, 
weirdness behind his dad's eyes. So he's like, well, what do you, what language would you communicate in if you have this like communicator thingy? And uh, his dad's like, I don't know, maybe like music or math, the universal language. And then he and Nora like have this like gooey <laughs> moment together about math. <laughs> and through this entire thing, by the way, through this entire book, Marco keeps saying like, Nora's not that bad, but she is a math teacher. In ever-escalating circumstances. So, like, yeah. here, like, she's coming home. Oh, she is a math teacher. And then, like, death threats. Well, you know, she was nice, but she is a math teacher. And it's like... Yeah, like, you can't justify that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but he tries. He does try. He does try. Uh. <sighs> he almost has me. Almost. I've had some real shit math teachers, though, so. I've okay. had predominantly very wonderful math teachers, but really? that's the only thing that made math bearable. Math is a terrible subject, in my opinion. I just had terrible... I had the one math teacher that... This is way off topic. We can edit this out, but I had the one math teacher that yelled at me that I shouldn't have gone to, like, bring your kid to work day because I was not passing her class and I was, like, not intelligent enough to go. Wow, what a bitch. I know. And she did, like, they forced her to apologize to me. I'd, like, the school did. Like, she got in trouble with the school for doing that shit. Because she yelled it in front of my whole class. What a <laughs> bitch. Um, so there was her. There was the one guy that, like, in my phase of when I like to say, like, if somebody would ask me a question, I'd be like, I could tell you that, but then I'd have to kill you. There was the one guy who goes... Hey, I know that you're joking around when you say that, but I could get you expelled for this. And then he sent me into remedial math. Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah, very you haven't had good luck. <laughs> and then I had the one math teacher where one time I wrote out the entire uh, Elvish alphabet in her class. And she goes, yeah, this is really cool, but this will never help you in life. And I was like, okay. Oh, and then the other one who, when I got the answer to a question correct, I didn't, like, follow the precise way to do it, but, like, I had kind of done, like, a crutch workaround that I had figured out to help me understand it. Yeah. And she um, marked every answer wrong, even though I got it right, because I didn't do it in the exact way. And then I got, like, a detention for talking to my friend because I was, like... I, like, looked at her and I'm like, okay, wait, how the fuck do I do this then? And so she was explaining it to me and I got a detention for, like, talking during class or something. I've had very shitty math teachers. Yeah, jeez. Like, sorry, just trying to get another student to explain to me what you should have fucking taught me. My bad! Wow. Okay, sorry. So anyways, if I don't have much sympathy for Nora, <laughs> this is why. And she has a stupid dog that she didn't train. She's a stupid dog who makes almost no appearance in this book. Yeah, surprisingly. No physical appearance, just a mention. Yeah. Oh, okay. God. Oh, God, what happened to him? Anyway, we can discuss <laughs> that later. Maybe. Well, yeah, we will discuss this later. Oh, um, oh, I bet he got taken to the to the dog park. That's exactly what I was going to say. Okay, perfect. We solved it. Anyway. We did. The chi took him in and loved him forever. Okay. Good. So... Anyways, uh, yes, so Marco's asking his dad questions about this Z-Space correspondence thing that he has. Of course, we're not calling it a Z-Space transponder quite yet, but that's basically what it's going to be. And he's like, what language would you communicate in? Do you really think there's anything out there? And, like, anything he can think of to kind of trip up his dad. And this whole time his dad is, like, really innocent and excited about it and, like, talking about his discovery, like, all, like, wide-eyed and, like, childlike and... 
He's like, okay. And then his dad mentions, like, if we get a prototype going by the end of the week, our boss is going to let us present this at some conference next month, which he says is a five-day all-expenses-paid vacation, basically. And he's, like, literally saying to Marco, like, you know, you could watch HBO all day, and, you know, Nora can go to the pool all day. It's five days of totally paid for, like, mini fridge raiding awesome party time, and I'm going to pull you out of school for it. And Marco's basically like, well, we can't leave for five days. What if the plants die? And his dad is like, you're not hearing me, boy. Five <laughs> days. <laughs> like, it's great. And so Marco's like, okay, so my dad's like not a controller. So he goes, calls Jake, and uh, Jake picks up the phone, and Marco's like, we have a problem. Jake says, 20 minutes, cut to the next chapter. We. <sighs> We and during that phone call, Tom is lurking in the background. Like they build a lot of like suspense through just like looming threats in this book that yeah are maybe not totally pertinent to the story, but just ramp up the tension. Oh my god, it's good. This is a good book. Yes, and I feel like Maurice is in very grave danger. <laughs> Maurice is not getting out of this unscathed. Nope. Even if he does get a five-day, all-expenses-paid trip to wherever they said that I didn't write down. So, at this point, I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. Great opening. Ellen, you've redeemed yourself. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, she does fucking great in this book. Okay, so, the kids are gathered at the barn, as per usual. And Marco's trying to explain everything that happened and, like, what it is. And Axe is basically like, this cannot be. How... How can humans be this close to discovering Z-Space Correspondent? You you just discovered space flight like 20 minutes ago. Like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, this has to be like some yerk thing where they're trying to like do some plot. And Rachel's like, why? why? Like, that makes no sense at all. Why would yerks have humans invent something they already have? That's dumb. And uh, there's a lot more back and forth that's very endearing between... Everybody there, but just mm-hmm. picture Axe as an Andalite pacing back and forth going like, how? How could this have happened? <laughs> uh, it's adorable. Yes, I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> um, finally, they land on, uh, this is probably a way to draw out the Andalite Bandalites. Jake is the one that's like, this is a trap. And Marco's like, it's not. My dad's not a controller. I tested him. And he says it out loud, and he sees this moment pass between Cassie and Jake. And, like, they kind of go back to their conversation, and Jake's like, well, what do you want to do? And Marco's like, yeah, Jake's always, like, you know, he's the leader, but he always, like, takes in what we want to do, blah, blah, blah. And Marco's wanting to say, like, save my dad, go, like, mount some defense, do something crazy, blah, blah, blah. And Marco's like, let's just stake him out, make sure he's not a controller. So Jake is like, okay. He's like, accent Tobias, you go watch his dad. Marco, you go home, watch the home front, keep things quiet with Nora. And that's when Marco realizes that moment that passed between Cassie and Jake was Jake asking her if Marco could be trusted and Cassie saying no. I fucking loved it. Right? Wasn't that so good? It was so good! Ah! Yeah. It was. And then, um, so Marco starts walking home because he just wanted to feel like a normal kid for once. And he starts thinking about how much he hates that Jake doesn't trust him to do what's right when family is involved. And Marco is like, I am going to show him he's wrong. This is so loaded because it's like, first of all, Jake was in this exact same position like 20 books ago. Yeah. 
And he fucked up so many times and Marco basically had to save him. And then uh-huh. two, Marco was willing to kill his own mom and then Jake stopped him and they did it for him, basically. Like, holy shit. There's so much going on. Yeah. And it's like, I desperately want to know what Jake was thinking here because it, it's like, yeah, Marco proved he would kill his own mom for this, but like, it's also like, that's his last parent. Like, his yeah, dad true. is the last. So, like, there's that. And also the fact that Jake doesn't want to force him to make that decision, which we already know, like, Jake will take the fall for him because he doesn't want Marco to do it, even if Marco can do it. Like, there's yeah. so much. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh my god. Okay, let me get let me do this next chapter. Yeah, what happens uh, next is like uh even more. Oh my god, so good. Okay. So Marco wakes up to the shrill ring of the telephone. He has fallen asleep on his math book and drooled on it and he took the time to note good. that was gross. <laughs> it is. So he picks it up and he hears his dad say hello and Marco realizes he's picked up at the same time as his dad. And it's like 11 p.m. It's fucking late. And Marco's like, "I should hang up." But then he doesn't. <laughs> of course not. He's like, ah, I'll just listen. So it's his dad's coworker on the other end of the phone. And he says, like, hey, the guy, this guy, Russ, which is a coworker of Marco's dad that Marco had met at one holiday party at some point. Um, he died in a car accident and his wife is inconsolable. Can you come over here and help us out? Because you've been through this before and we think that you could help. And Marco's dad, good fucking guy, doesn't hesitate. Wakes up in the middle of the night, and he's like, I'll be there. And he gets up and he goes. Because he's a really fucking stand-up guy. This this was he so is. nice. I love he's, Marco's dad. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, so Marco starts panicking, and he's like, he realizes, okay, this is fucked. Because, one, why is he calling my dad at this time? Two, why does he say, we need you over here? Three, he said, we. That's never good. So Marco's like, fuck, this is a trap. So he gets up and he starts panicking and goes to follow his dad. He can hear his dad leaving. He goes to check the notepad by the phone, no address. Checks the notepad by the computer, no address. He goes into his dad's office. He checks his dad's laptop. He sees there's a tab open. He clicks on it and it's a Yahoo map with the address on it. Fucking map quest bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. And my favorite part was Yahoo in every single sentence had the exclamation point behind it. Like, yep. So, anyways, Marco checks the address in Yahoo Maps, and then he calls Jake for backup, and Tom answers the phone, and Marco just, like, is already panicked, so he just immediately hangs up. A second later, the phone rings, and Marco picks it up, and it's Tom, like, who the fuck are you? You just called me. And Marco's like, ah, finally, Tom has discovered Star 69. (laughs) Which I thought was a great joke, because Tom's fucked it up so many times. (laughs) <sighs> Anyways. Also 69. Also 16. Also the sex number. <laughs> the <kiss and> butts <laughs> number. <laughs> so Marco's like, yeah, dude, it was me. I'm sorry. I was looking for Jake. And Tom just hangs up the phone like, fuck you, asshole. <laughs> and Marco starts like running through like, okay, who else can I call? And he's like, I can't call Tobias or Axe because they. Because they don't have phone. families. They don't have families. They live in the woods. Um, And he's like, I could call Cassie. And then he's like, no, because her parents are home. And then he's like, I'm going to call Rachel. Plus, she's who you want in a fight anyways. So he calls Rachel. And she's just like, yeah, what's the address? Okay, I'll be there. (laughs) What the fuck? 
fuck is she doing up at 11? Waiting for a phone call to go fuck some shit up. <laughs> That's the only part where I was kind of like, okay, what are, what is everybody doing up at 11 p.m.? Like, does I Rachel mean, have her own phone line or some shit? I don't know. I think she does. Didn't it say, like, in one of the very, very, very early books that, oh, like, maybe. that was something she had special in her room? Like, her dad maybe set it up or something? I, I would believe it. Rachel would have her own number. Because her one family's of fucking does. rich. Because <laughs> her mom's the lawyer of the year, obviously. Yeah, she makes buckets of money. <laughs> Uh, buckets and buckets of money. Ah, she probably oh, got no. all the money from the divorce. She's got, uh... Because she's oh, a fucking lawyer. <laughs> she's, a, she's a fucking lawyer. She got she all the herself. alimony. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and plus okay, her sorry. dad, like, makes money as a news anchor. In, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I thought it was Rachel that had her... In fact, that's probably the only one that makes sense. Because, like, Jake wouldn't. Marco's the only other one that I thought maybe, like, set up his own phone line somehow. But it's one of those guys. And I'm assuming it's yeah. Rachel. Because he yeah. just called Rachel and she was, like, ready to rage. Right. Yeah. she's amazing. She's amazing. And they were speaking in code this whole time. I was paraphrasing when I said Rachel was yeah. just, like, ready to go. Okay. So, Marco just goes into his backyard and morphs Osprey. He's like, it's risky, but it's dark. And then he flies off to follow the Yahoo map in his brain. Until he sees his dad's car. He flies down. He starts demorphing. He finds a place where the curtain doesn't quite meet the edge of the window. And he shoves his face against it to see what's going on inside. And inside he sees his dad's co-worker Russ. And he is not dead. And also there's hork And he watches as his dad's head is getting shoved into this little temporary yerk pool. The sludge piling up against his face and like covering one eye. And with his other eye, he's frighteningly like watching the yerk frightened as it like swims towards his face. And Marco is just in his own head like, I'm not going to do this. Temporary freedom now means nothing. I'm not going to go in there. I'm not doing anything. I just have to let this happen. And then the next thing he knows, his fist is smashing the glass. And he's going, no! Because he fucking morphed Gorilla without even realizing it, which is amazing. Yes. It is. (sighs) He totally had no clue. He was just instinctually morphing. Yes. Which is cool. So cool. Yeah, and then he, like, busts through and, like, the wind's blowing behind him and it's just such an amazing visual and I just, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's, see, the light was on inside, but it would be even cooler if there was, like, a storm outside and he was suddenly backlit. Yeah. Oh. But, you know, still very oh. cool. This whole scene's so good. This whole scene is amazing. And that, it, it gets even cooler. Oh, yes, it does. Yeah. So... Marco smashes through the glass. There's shards of glass everywhere, like, sparkling and, like, flying around. And Marco just goes in swinging. And he starts, like, throwing shit. He takes out these hork He yells to his dad in this really gruff thought-speak voice, trying to hide who he is, saying, lift up your head. And his dad strains and pulls away with everything in his being, trying to get his ear out of this sludgy water. And Marco kind of turns around and goes towards these humans who are holding him there. And they start to smile. And that's when Marco realizes there's more hork behind him. So he manages to miss as they swing their blades and just, like, shear the top of his head just a bit. He dodges away. His dad's head gets pushed back under the sludge. And Marco sees everything in slow motion. He leaps towards his dad. He pulls him up, grabs the slug that's halfway into his ear out, and throws oh it on the floor. 
The Horkbjerg come after him again. He lifts up a couch and tosses it at him, but he misses and hits this entire unit on the wall. And one of the Horkbjerg is able to get him and pin him with its, like, bladed claw hand right at his throat. And it's kind of threatening him. And then Marco makes some, like, smart-ass comment, like, sorry, guys, gotta go home. And they have one second of terrible confusion before Rachel flays them open from behind and makes short work of them. And then Marco goes over, tips over the entire pool, watches it sludge its way across the floor, opens a sliding glass door, and lets everything drain out into the backyard. And that's that chapter. I fucking love Marco and Rachel kicking ass together. Me too. It's so badass. Like, I love it. I, I love it so much. And I love that, like, there's this, throughout this whole book, there's this thing of, like, Marco's like, yeah, I'm still, like, the the decision-maker intelligent one without ever actually saying those words. Mm-hmm. He still, like, projects that. And, like, he keeps calling Rachel, like, I need the muscle. I need this. I need somebody that I know is going to have my back. And Rachel, like, not just delivers the muscle, but also, like, a similar level of intelligence, which yeah. I feel like doesn't always happen when yeah. she's treated as the muscle. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <gasps> I love it so it's much. Good. It's so good. This is such a good book. Oh, man. Okay. Ha, what happens next? (laughs) So epic. Okay. So there's sirens wailing in the distance. Rachel's like, we got to get the fuck out of (laughs) here. And Marco grabs his dad, literally grabs him. They go into the driveway where his dad's still like, what the fuck is happening? And Marco just, like, places him in the driver's seat and then, like, walks around the car. (laughs) Right? He goes to get in the other side and, like, rips the door off. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so good. Oh, shit. Like... Because it's just such, like, a little kid move. Like, my dad goes here, and I'm gonna, like, get to the men and see And then, like, but he's <laughs> he still just, a gorilla. He like, places him in the seat. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. Oh, my God. It's adorable. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, Marco, like, rips the door off the hinges. He starts shoving himself in the car, and Rachel's like, what are you doing? What are we gonna do? And Marco's like... I'll call you guys. I don't know. I'll see you later. And Rachel just kind of like mysteriously backs into the bushes while Marco <laughs> continues to like contort himself in the car. <laughs> it was a super dramatic exit. She's like, okay, goodbye. And like goodbye. melts into the shadows. <laughs> oh, oh God. Snape, vanish. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Marco is like, dad, drive. And his dad starts like pulling out of the driveway. And right as he's pulling away, these police cars are pulling up to this house. And Marco's like, go, go, go. And his dad starts to drive back towards their house. And Marco goes, no, go south, go south. And Marco's dad goes, but my wife and my kid. And Marco's like, it's too late. You just got to go. There's a van following us. We're fucked. And that's when they realize, like, there's this van right on their ass. It's full of cork And it's, like, right there. Yeah. And Marco's like, drive, man. But his dad doesn't. So Marco reaches over, grabs the steering wheel, slams his gorilla foot on top of his dad's foot on the gas pedal, and just starts gunning it out of there. And then he makes, like, some smart-ass comment, like, I really felt bad that I hit that Honda. And that Mercedes. And that Subaru. And like he just kept going. Marco, you... <laughs> oh. 
You're going to fail so, your driving test so many fucking times. <laughs> they're just going to give it to him. They're going to yeah. be like, ah, you almost killed me. I don't know. Please take it and never come back. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> it's great. Um, so Marco takes them onto the highway. They're careening around. Everybody's honking at them. It's loud. And, like, Marco's dad is, like, horrified. And then Marco, like, hands control of the car back over to his dad. And his dad makes this sharp turn. And the van tries to follow them. And it tips over and just, like, crashes across the highway. So Marco's dad continues to drive. They want to get as far away from this van as possible. They make it back onto some sort of residential-type street. And Marco's dad just jumps out of the car, just fucking bails. And Marco's like, no, and like follows after him. And his dad's running. And then Marco goes, dad. And that stops him dead in his tracks. Fuck. I know. And he turns around and Marco starts demorphing from gorilla right in front of him. (laughs) (laughs) It's so intense. And when he's done, his dad approaches him and he's just like, I don't. I don't understand. And he starts touching, like, his head and his face and his shoulders, just going, how? How? And Marco goes, it's a really long story, Dad. Oh! And they're, like, crying, and it's... Oh, my God. It's so good. It's (gasps) so good. Fuck. Oh, my God. And then this next chapter, too. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm just gonna... I'll summarize it, and then I... I will talk to you about it. As if we have not established this in 45 episodes plus extras on this podcast. I will recap this chapter for you and then we will discuss it. (laughs) (laughs) So Marco and his dad head to this all-night diner on the edge of town and they order burgers. And Marco makes them go back into the car and sit in this dark, unlit corner of the parking lot to eat them. And he tells his dad the whole story. Just about. He leaves out some details, but for the most part, the whole story. And when Marco's done, his dad goes, I want to call Nora. Instead of stopping him, Marco follows his dad to the edge of the parking lot to the payphone. And his dad calls Nora. They like, you know, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Blah, blah, blah. How are you? And then Nora goes, where are you? And Marco's dad starts to talk and Marco just hangs up the phone for him exactly like how he did for David. And Marco draws the parallels like the last time I did this didn't end well. It ended with a kid trapped as a rat. Yeah. And Margot's dad's like, what the fuck did you do that for? And he's like, they start heading back to the car. Like, Marco just starts walking back towards the car. His dad follows him. And Marco's like, well, if you'd listened to anything I'd said to you for the past few hours, you'd know exactly why I did that. And his dad starts going, well, you know, I don't know what I really saw. Like, I was under duress. I, you know, it was my brain, blah, blah, blah. So I get back into the car and when his dad's saying, like, I don't know what I saw, I was stressed, Marco starts morphing to ant. And ah. then he goes back to himself. And then he starts shrinking to Osprey. And he goes back to himself. And Marco looks over at his dad, and his dad is, like, sweating and horrified. And Marco's like, listen, Dad, I'm going to take you to some friends of mine. And Marco's dad goes, we're not going to your friends. We're going to the police. And Marco, very patiently, goes, the police are controllers. We can't do that. And Marco's dad starts saying, like, I'm the adult here. You're my kid. I tell you how this goes. And Marco goes, listen, I've been to hell and back a few times. And I've been fighting this war for a really long time. And so you're the parent, but you have to listen to me. And in his own head, Marco's going, I wish I had somebody to tell me what to do. I wish I didn't have to make these decisions. It would be great if you were the parent and I didn't have to think of any of this. But, like, that's just not going to happen. 
Um, and it's at this point where Marco goes, I haven't told you everything. And finally, he tells his dad, mom's alive and she's Wizard One. She's been enslaved since before she disappeared. And his dad's like, Ava's alive? And Marco goes, mom's alive. And his dad just laid his head down on the steering wheel. Ugh. So fucking epic. Well, and he fucking is like, I don't remember what exactly he says, but he's like, but I got married to Nora. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like, yeah, right. That's like his <laughs> first reaction was, oh, shit, I cheated on your mom and not, oh, my God, your mom is enslaved by an alien force. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like throughout this whole book, his first reaction is about his people, like his wife, his kid, his allegedly dead wife. Like, it's all about everybody else. Like, his dad always puts other people first and then has the analytical part to back that up, kind of. At least that's how it's played in this book. Yeah, but like... You know, Marco then goes on to say, like, my dad's first reaction was basically that, like, he loved Nora and that was somehow news to him. Like. Yeah, because, it, well, I don't think that was news to him. I think it was that um, his dad said, I love Nora as much as I loved your mom. And Marco's like, that's not possible. Yeah. I, I just thought it was really harsh that, like, you know, you tell your dad that you're you know, wife that you thought was dead is a slave to alien force. And his first reaction is not, oh my God, we have to save her. It's, oh my God, I did a terrible thing. Yeah. And like, that just like hit, hits Marco so hard. And I was also just like, oh shit, that's harsh. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's not, it's not necessarily like the most important thing in that moment, but it, that's the most important thing in that moment to Marco. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, brutal. The This whole thing is like, it's just those gut punches over and over escalating. Mm -hmm. And that's like the pinnacle. But yeah, it's like they start with like, you're not in control anymore. And having to do that three times, like Marco's dad keeps wanting to like fix it. And Marco keeps saying, you can't, you can't, you can't. And then it like, you know, it goes on to like Marco saying like, Everything has been shit for a long time. You are not in control anymore. You have to do what I say now. And then your dead wife is actually alive and enslaved. And then the whole, you know, I'm married to Nora. What the fuck? Yeah. And this was like the perfect setup for the other <laughs> Nora arc that like runs through this book. Yeah. Um, I also... I also thought it was dumb of him to tell Nora that he was with Marco. Like, he didn't know, obviously, but, like, you know, if your alibi is that you got a call from a coworker and you left alone, then where the fuck did Marco come from? Well, Nora didn't know. Nora thought, um, Nora asked Marco where he was going and Marco said to the corner oh, right, store yeah. to get Chunky Monkey. So, yeah. Nora's still not clear on any of this. Yeah, oh yeah, that was the other weird thing. It was it's like eleven PM and she just lets Marco go down to the corner store by himself at eleven at night. Because allegedly that's where his dad went when his dad just got out of bed and left. Right. Yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I could come up with explanations for it. Like, Nora did just move in. He's used to being, like, not having to tell people where he's going. And, like, and then Marco did say that's where he was going. And she has no reason to think that Marco would be lying to her about this. Like, why? What's he trying to do? Cover for him, what, cheating or something? Like, there's no reason for her to, like, even well, if it sounded weird for her to suspect anything. Yeah, I was thinking more of, like, after... She was probably made into a controller, like, after they went and, you know. The reason Marco made his dad hang up was so that she couldn't find them because he was pretty sure she was a controller already. Right. But... Or at least suspected she would be soon. Yeah. But yeah, I guess if Marco had already gone out, she... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, I think I'm overthinking it. Well, I mean, it, it, best case scenario, she doesn't have any information. Yeah. But, you know, as far as, like, condemning evidence, I don't know that that would have been, like, a major red flag in that scenario. Sure. Okay. I mean, I that's just what I was... I could be wrong. They've been indicted on less, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I got lost somewhere, so let's move on. Okay. Yeah, that's a fucking intense chapter, though. Yeah. So, Marco directs his dad to pull into a driveway of a house similar to their own, and Marco's dad goes, oh, the one with the dog outside doing his business? And Marco's like, yep, that's the one. So they walk up to the door, Eric answers, and then pulls them both inside. And once they're inside, Marco's dad starts freaking out because Mr. King was on the sofa lounging as his dog android self. And Marco's like, I told you about the chi. These are the chi. Don't you remember? We had this whole conversation. (laughs) Pay attention, dad. Come on, dad. I wasn't like making this shit up. And his dad goes, oh, I thought you were like pulling my leg again. And it's like, what part of this is joking to you, man? Maurice. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's such a Maurice thing to say, too. I thought you were just pulling my leg about this particular aspect of it. Ugh. Uh, so Marco explains the situation to Eric and like what just happened and you know how he's pretty sure that the Yerks are going to be at his house and his dad can't go back and Eric agrees to cover for them and go as Marco's dad. He's like we'll give the Yerks what they want to see and Marco would be you know out wandering on his own and Marco's dad goes well what about Nora like can can we get her like what's going to happen and Eric and Marco exchange this look because they know it's probably too late for her. She's probably already a controller. And Marco just turns to his dad as if he's the little kid and he goes, well, she's at the school all day. I'm sure they won't touch her. She'll be fine. And then Marco pulls Eric aside and says, if they try to eliminate my dad and shoot you, will you be able to survive a full power Draken blast? And Eric goes, well, at low levels, I'll be fine. At high levels, it depends on, like, the a lot of factors, the angles, like, what I'm doing at the time, blah, blah, And uh, he goes, you know, my programming forbids me from violence, but it doesn't forbid me from dying. And Marco goes, yeah, well, I do. Aww. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that cute moment. Um, and then they end their conversation, and Marco and his dad go into the basement of the dog emporium. And Marco's dad gets wrangled into petting one of the dogs. And Marco turns away to say, like, will you guys take care of my dad? Will he be okay here? And when he turns back around, he finds his dad already asleep on the floor. And the Chi bring him a pillow and blanket and say he will be fine. Aww. Aww. Aww, puppies. Puppies. <laughs> so Marco makes it to the barn. 
He's the last one there. And the very first thing he does is he looks at Rachel, who will not meet his eyes, and he's like, you told them what happened. (laughs) (laughs) And Marco just, like, starts this, like, three outbursts in a row. Like, Jake, the fucking master interrogator here, just stays quiet and lets Marco (laughs) tell him everything. (laughs) Oh, my God. Loved it. <laughs> yeah. And Marco's like, I don't know. I didn't mean to. And then I was. And like, you guys don't know. I just had to do it. Like, ah, it was the right decision. I swear. Let me explain it to you. And Jake goes, do you know what this means? And Marco goes, no more math tests before putting his ha- head in his hands. And he just like is exhausted from this whole night. And he feels like his head is just like vibrating in his skull. And Tobias is like, you know, the Yerks are going to be after everybody connected with you and your dad now. And that leads them directly to us. And Marco's like, no, no, no. Eric and I have a plan. Eric is, you know, going to play me. Mr. King's going to play my dad. It's going to be fine. We have this whole thing going on. And then they start arguing about going after the Z-Space transponder. They're like, okay, well, then we have to get that away from them. And Marco's like, no, that's Mission Impossible. They now are, like, Animorph stink is all over it. They're not, we're not going to be able to get it. And Rachel's the one who's, like, really fucking annoyed by all of them talking about this mission to get it. And she's like, it's man-made! And acts like, takes this moment to be like, well, you know, the transponder is equal to... And then he, like, pauses. Or superior. To Yerk technology. (laughs) (laughs) My baby. He's like, doesn't want to admit it. Yeah. He's like, but it would take more than a lithium-ion battery to power it. And the others are all like... Well, you know, the Endolite fleet isn't even making us a priority. Why are we trying to communicate with them? Blah, blah, blah. And Rachel's like, you guys, it is man-made. We have the materials here, and we don't give a shit about talking to the Andalites. We can intercept Yerk transmissions. And everybody's like, mind blown that Rachel <laughs> said this. <laughs> we have the police scanner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, fuck communications. We can listen. And uh, at this point... Axe is like, I I guess we could do this. And, like, somebody says, like, oh, we could get Marco's dad to remake it. And then they look at Axe, and Axe is, like, all, like, pissed. And he's like, we can get Axe to remake it with Marco's dad's help. And Axe is like, yeah, I guess I could do that. (laughs) I love him. He's so pouty. He's so pouty. Oh, my God. He's the worst. I love him. (laughs) He's been such, like, a kid during this whole thing. I know. Uh, his little hoops. Yeah, I loved it so much. I like I, I love it because Axe is either like totally goofy with food or like serious Andalite, and the fact that we get to see him being like an Andalite kid here is like just yes, great. I know. <laughs> <sighs> uh, man. Um, yeah, so then it leads to this chapter, where Marco and Axe are nose-diving onto the cheese-sprawling yet unattended lawn, <laughs> and they start demorphing from birds, and while they're doing this, Marco's like, "Oh, this yard's really overgrown and, like, weird, I wonder if their programming extends to, like, gardening, and Axe is like, this grass is delicious, this is great! <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Hex morphs to human. They head inside where Marco's like walking along, ready to go, and he like turns to Axe to say something, and Axe is fucking gone. <laughs> <laughs> and Marco finds him in the kitchen eating Oreos and getting milk out of the fridge, oh and Axe is still like, Axe is just repeating like Oreos, Oreos, <laughs> like oh as my he's God. curving. <laughs> 
happened. My horrible child. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my god. <laughs> Serious, very high stakes situation, and he's fucking. Oh. Uh, and like I don't know what's better the fact that Axe did this or that like Marco just like grabs him and continues on as if nothing happened <laughs> and in his own head he's like sometimes it's hard to forget that Axe is a warrior <laughs> oh my god I, just, I fucking oh god I love the two of them together when Axe yes. is like eating food and Marco's just like a mother hen just like okay come on like get a hold of yourself ugh <laughs> uh. Just sit on my lap. It's fine. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> he pulls him down. I'm like, come on. <laughs> oh, God. I just love them. I love them, too. They're just, like, they're just so funny together because they're, in some ways, such opposites and, in other ways, so similar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I want a uh, a buddy cop spinoff of X and Mark. <laughs> Oh my god, them doing, like, just adventures. Yes. Uh, so good. I would read a story just of them playing old computer games together for a full day. Yes! Uh. <laughs> oh, uh, shit. God. I think I wrote more notes about this and really skimped on the rest of this chapter <laughs> because I was so, like, <laughs> laughing so hard about the Oreos. This is the important part of the chapter. That's pretty much what I did. And, like, it's not. But guess what? I'm really going to skimp on the rest of this chapter. So I'm sorry. I wrote most notes about the Oreo situation. Good. <laughs> so Marco and Axe descend into this basement lair of puppies. And the, he's, like, asking one of the chi. They're like, where's my dad? Because for just a second, he's like, did he get out of here and, like, go find Nora? It sounds like something he would do. And that would be very bad. But instead, the chi just, like, ominously point to a glowing tree, and they walk over there to find Marco's dad surrounded by a literal puppy pile. Oh, my like God. Like, dogs everywhere. Fucking hell. That sounds so great. I want to be that. Me too. <sighs> Me too. And, like, the, the, like, flagship of this is there is a tiny actual puppy, like, puppy, pu not like a dog puppy, like a puppy puppy, right next to his dad's arm. And he's, like, snuggling this little puppy. Uh, oh. If anything's going to take your mind off of the war and the alien invasion and the fact that your dead wife is alive and your alive wife is a slave, it's going to be a pile of puppies. Yeah. Yeah, that'd do it. <laughs> Um, oh, but Marco does not heed the puppy pile. Marco straight up goes, hey, dad, can you help us rebuild the Z-Space transponder? And his dad's like, what? what? <laughs> and uh, he's like, this is my buddy Axe. You met him once before. You thought he was a weirdo. Still a weirdo because he's an alien. Told you about Axe. You remember Axe? And he's like, yeah. And like, Marco's dad's like a bit dubious about this. And he's like, you know, Axe will help you rebuild the thing. He's an alien. Watch. And like. Axe starts demorphing. And his dad starts to be like, oh, no, no, you can stay a child. Don't be, well, well, okay, you're doing it, I guess. Like, this is happening. Um, so Axe becomes his Andalite self. And there's this great conversation that happens that I'm sure is very important to the plot of the book, where Marco's dad goes, this isn't exactly made out of parts you can get at Radio Shack. And Marco starts going on about, like, oh, espionage and theft is the Animorph specialty. If you want it, we can get it. And Axe just goes, I love Radio Shack. Oh, my God. Marco's dad's like, me too. 
yeah, fucking Marco's dad and Axe just nerding out about shit is like my favorite new thing. Oh, I can't. Oh, it's so good. It's amazing. It's so good. Yeah, them like. I again, I want the story of them working together for days on this, like do 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 our stuff. <laughs> oh God! Uh, Introduce him to man. coffee. <laughs> no, no, I don't want no. X on any sort of caffeine. That no. would be a bad thing. His his small child's body cannot have this. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Whatever. But Marco's dad does eventually agree, and he goes, let's get to work, boys! Which is adorable, because then I was like, oh, he's like dad to all. He's, he's like Axe's dad now. Yeah. yeah. He's all of our dad. He's all of our dad. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, so, we cut to... Marco was in his dad's room watching his dad as he packed a giant suitcase with Hawaiian shirts and faded swim trunks and all sorts of shit. And he goes, hey, can I rent a jet ski when we get there? And his dad's like, no, they pollute and they're dangerous. Why would you want a jet ski? And Marco's like, I want to go 60 miles an hour and then jump a 10 foot wave. And his dad's kind of like, okay. But like in between all of this, he's ranting like, oh, we got to let somebody else finish the project. I'm not going to risk my life for this. I'm leaving. I'm going to like whatever islands and we're gonna go on vacation if they're gonna try to kill me i don't need this weird shit and guys in costumes blah, blah, blah. and as he's like doing all of this the bedroom door bangs open controllers burst in and marco watched as his dad was incinerated and he saw for just a second the blackened charred skeleton of a man before he collapsed into a pile of dust and then marco was hit and similarly killed Marco watched all of this happen as an insect from the closet because <laughs> neither of those guys were them. <laughs> that was Eric and Mr. King covering for them. Mr. King got fucked up. Mr. King got fucked. He oh, no. almost died. Yeah. Uh, once the controllers left, Marco's like, you guys cool? And Eric's like, I am firing on 90%. And Mr. King was like this patchy pile of burnt circuitry. <laughs> like, I'm not quite dead. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, ah, my hologram. And it was, like, literally saying, like, pieces of hologram are, like, flickering in giant, like, cute <laughs> error <squares>. Error. <laughs> error. It's the blue screen, blue screen of death. Of death yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Just the little, like, sad, like, uh, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Love Please it. restart. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. And Marco's like, are you guys going to make it home okay? And Eric's like, ah, my hologram will cover us both. I'm good at slow-moving stuff. You should see my dump truck. It's good. And Marco's like, cool, weirdos. <laughs> and Marco looks outside. <laughs> and he sees Nora talking to these police officers outside. And he notices that she's moving with this newfound harshness. And he is just overwhelmed with the guilt that he didn't even try to stop them from taking mm. her yeah wow and he even has this like really introspective moment where he's like maybe like the fact that i never accepted her into the family was like part of the reason why i didn't even consider going back to get her but my dad loves her and i should have and that was terrible um i love then he that. starts talking I loved that, but then he also starts, like, the next thought is, can my dad go through the loss of the person he loves most for a second time? Oh, no. 
And he doesn't think his dad's going to be able to do it. He's like, how many losses can one person take in a lifetime? Probably not this. So, yeah. This whole thing was brutal. Yeah. Uh, Tell me more about why you loved it, because I interrupted you. Oh, it's just, it's so complicated, and but, like, so believable. Like, it's this person you never really connected with, this person that, you know, you felt was trying to replace your mom who is completely irreplaceable and then you know you were trying to make an effort with her early in the book but then you know you you just ah i don't know yeah yeah and like i mean this is like really such a mundane circumstance almost within an extraordinary setting because how many like people reading this that have like a divorced parent that's remarried goes through that kind of weird scenario Mm -hmm. where you're like yeah my dad or mom loves this person but i don't like it's not my decision yeah it's such a relatable topic you know for like the everyday kid Mm -hmm. but i don't know oh yeah yeah. It's basically looking at a small child and asking them, if you had to sacrifice your step-parent because you didn't love them as much, could you do <laughs> yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, and it just, it, uh, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme, but it does, like, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, it's just a mundane, you know, sort of one-off thing, but it's also kind of like, are we going to lose our humanity as we, you know, kind of sacrifice people in this war. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And it's like, it's the also looming threat of the losses are hitting closer and mm-hmm. closer to home for everybody. Yep. <sighs> fuck. Yes, fuck. Fuck is the answer. Um, yes. So Marco asks Eric... Can I assist you with this useless chi? And Eric's like, can you bench press 500 pounds? And Marco's like, I'll get the door then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And as he's doing that, he sees this photo pinned to the corkboard above his dad's desk. And it's a picture of him and his dad that his mom had taken. And it was like a nice memory of them like on the beach someday and blah, blah, blah. And that's when it hits Marco like, oh, I'm dead. Like, I can't go to school. I can't take any tests. I can't go out on dates. I can't go out to dinner. I, I can't do anything. I'm dead. This is the end for me. Like, I have to hide now. Like, this is gone. I don't have my house or anything. And he makes a move to go back and get this picture because he's like, I could fly with this in my beak. And then he stops himself and he goes, this can only exist in my memories now. And he leaves. Shit. Yeah. This is huge. It was a heavy chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Marco's the first one, or no, really the second one, actually, after Tobias. Like, he's the first one to be like, well, I guess my normal life is fucked, and I can't keep up this illusion of being a regular kid anymore. Like, I'm going into hiding. Yeah. Which is and a like, big even, deal. It's a huge deal. And even, like, when Tobias did it, the tone of it was always can I transition into my new life that's different, but it maybe it's better and maybe it's different. And Marco's just like, everything I know is gone. Like, yeah. I'm fucked. Yeah. Oh, man, that's heavy. It's so <laughs> heavy. 
Marco. God. Um, and then the next chapter, too. Oh, let's talk about another hit. So, Marco's dad and Axe spend three days working together on this transponder. And they have it working, but it's not coming out in English. And they're trying to, like, adjust some, like, dials and shit. And, like, Marco's dad goes, well, we could use these wires to, like, reroute, blah, 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 blah. And Axe is like, that will take time. I can just translate this for you. Like, I understand the, your speech through my chip and everything. So, like, I'll just translate for you. And then they're like, okay, do it. And Axe goes, okay, but just so you know, communications are still garbled, and I don't always follow the ins and outs of your speech really well. And everybody's like, that's okay. Summarize what they're saying. And Axe is like, I'm going to do my best, but this is only a guess. And Rachel just goes... Axe, live a little. I'm leaving if you don't do this shit. (laughs) And Axe goes, okay, like, here's my best guess. And he's like, from what I heard, it sounded like Visor One is on Earth at this moment. She is at the Yerk Pool. She is about to be executed as a traitor. And from what I know about that, that means Candrona starvation. And Visor Three is about to be promoted to Visor One, which is terrible because we already know that he's going to do open warfare. And Marco is like, I can't ask my friends to do this. I want to say we have to get her, but I can't. I can't. I just risked everybody, every single one of my friends to save my dad. I can't do anything. Like, he's thinking, like, trying to analytically do it, but he just has this block, like, but it's my mom, so I can't say shit. And Cassie was the one who, like, spoke up, and Marco says, like, really innocently and really clearly goes, well, we're just making guesses. What if we go get the one person who would know for sure what this plan is? And Marco just focuses every ounce of his willpower on not crying as Jake Aww. says, let's go get Visor 1. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Oh. oh my God. Like, at, oh, like, after all this time, he just almost lost his dad. The wound is fresh. And they're saying, let's go get your mom after all this time. Yes. Oh, my oh. God. Uh, right? It's so good. Um, it's so good. Going back to the whole, like, Marco's dead thing. Um, yeah. Another, like, element of um, him being dead is that his friends have to act like, like, oh my god, where did my friend go? Like, where's Marco? Why isn't he coming to school? And, like, they don't really address this in the book, but that just, like, it struck me as another, like, untold thing untold consequence that's happening and i just kind of wonder how that went down yeah and because i i'll skip to the end of the book because i don't even think i wrote this down because it wasn't like super important but like they mentioned that what they tell all of marco's neighbors is that there was a home invasion and that they did get killed and they're investigating and trying to find who it was so like it's not like they tried to say, oh, they're missing and we're like mounting a search it's like oh they're dead but we're looking into it yeah and So all of his friends, like, you'd think that at school, just from what I know from going to school, like, when somebody dies, they generally have, like, a memorial thing at the school, or they do, like, an announcement. Like, what is happening there that we don't even hear about? Yeah, it's like, is there a funeral for them, and the kids have to attend, and they have to pretend to be sad, but they know the truth? Like, ugh. Yeah, and, like, is the guidance counselor reaching out to, like, people that yeah. they knew were friends with Marco? Yeah. Like, yeah, because for a lot of those kids, not the Animorphs, but a lot of the other kids in their classroom, this is probably their first brush with death in a way that's, like, super pertinent to them. Yeah. 
Because, like, kids don't expect kids to die. Mm-hmm. So this has to be monumental. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Oh, that is crazy. And, like, the other thing is, is, like, not only do they have to pretend their friend's gone and they know he's alive and everything like that, but they're already so desensitized to death. Yeah. They have to also think about how to act normal. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's a lot. Brutal. It's so, there's so much. This book is so much. Oh, my God. Anyway. It's so intense. Anyway. Marco is like, fat chance we go get Visitor 1, but he did not fool anybody. They're like, yeah, Marco, come on. We're going to go get your mom. Don't be a tough dude. It's fine. Um, and they're like, well, will the year cooperate with us? We don't know that Visitor 1's actually going to cooperate with us. And they're like, they won't. We're going to starve it out. And Marco's dad asked Jake, like, will it hurt? And Jake goes, it will, but it's going to be more fun than anything else she's been through this so far. Like, <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, they talk about what Marco's dad will do after. They're like, oh, like, maybe he'll flee the country with your mom. And, like, they'll get out of here. And Marco's dad's like, well, I don't want to leave the country. And Rachel turns to him and goes, you don't have a choice, dude. It's, like, whatever we say. You're not important here. Sorry. And Tobias goes, well, I do know a place where they could stay, where the locals are friendly. There's almost no tourists. And they're a little slow, but nice. And Cassie's like, the hork Valley. That's a great idea. And that's when Marco goes, cool, guys, I'm glad you have this awesome plan of them hanging out and, like, having fun with the Horkvisor, but, like, there's the very real possibility we are not going to get Visor 1. We don't know where the pool entrance is anymore. We don't know how to get in there. We don't have any sort of plan. And Axe goes, well, there's been this radio chatter. There's a new entrance that bug fighters go into, and... So if we could get in there, we could bypass the whole biosecurity measure because it won't go within the bug fighter and kill them all there. All we got to do is steal a bug fighter. (laughs) Easy. And Marco's like, great, super easy. Steal a bug fighter, break in, avoid detection, get Visor 1, fly out. Easy peasy. And like at this point, Marco does this like adorable rhyming thing with his dad where like... His dad rhymes the last word of Marco's sentence, and Marco's like, we do that at home, but not here, Dad. That's <laughs> so cute. I love Maurice. It is so cute. Oh, man. Um, and then Marco's dad just kind of, like, jumps in and goes, so you need a distraction, but not too large, because you guys need to have some control still. And Marco is like, in that moment, I was just amazed with my dad and amazed with the human spirit. And that's that chapter. <laughs> Now we go into a series of fast-moving shit that is super fucking intense. (laughs) Yes. From here on out, the rest of the book is just a roller coaster. So Marco dresses as a hunter in one of those weird flappy hats that hunters wear, and he makes a call and affects a very deep southern accent. Yes. Okay, good. I imagine that too. It was pretty great. He's like, I got some sort of bladed monster here in a trap. <laughs> that went Christopher Walken, not Southern. <laughs> okay. Sorry. How does how does Southern go? I, I, I'm not even going to attempt. <sighs> well, I've given up because it went Christopher Walken. But yeah, he's like, got some bladed monster here in a trap. And he's like, it looks like some sort of alien thing. And a few minutes later, a bug fighter 
flies over there scanning and it comes over Marco who's still a human but like has the cap pulled down to like obscure his identity cowering in fear of this hork that's caught in a trap that was Tobias and like the first like they land this bug fighter the first hork jumps out and is immediately taken down by a tiger the second one is taken out by a bear and attacks and kind of like was coming down the ramp and like kind of starts like oh shit but he gets taken out by this one two punch of andalite and wolf and goes spinning wildly away they're and such a good they're, team they're such a good team so good um once they're kind of knocked out and everything the taxon takes off they let it flee and marco helps tie up the hork shoves their faces in the dirt you know to keep them quiet and they're like we got a ship cool <laughs> So they get on the ship, Axe takes over the controls. Marco is like, whoa, look at all these cool lights. This must be like the super cool model of a bug fighter. And Axe is like, this is the standard model, but it is a newer version. <laughs> and then he starts like dicking around with all the buttons. <laughs> and a second later, Marco is crushed against the wall and like Tobias is screeching crushed against the roof as they go rocketing forward. And Axe brings them to a stop going, everything is under control. <laughs> Don't worry, this is fine. <laughs> Everything is normal. <laughs> so he starts like flicking switches around, and at one point, like a fan turns on, and Rachel's like, "Awesome, you're the best pilot of the like control system of fans and heat. We should all bow to you. This is great." <laughs> um, and then somebody else goes like, "Axe, do you even have a clue how to fly this thing?" And he goes, "I have several clues, but not enough to fly this effectively." <laughs> <laughs> So instead, he's like, you know, there's this auto return thing that it has. Like, if we fly erratically, it'll bring us back to base automatically. So, like, let's just enable this thing. And so they do. But the very first thing that happens is, like, Marco starts, like, walking towards the front of the ship because they're like, okay, it's, like, turning slowly towards home. And then all of a sudden, it just tips into a nosedive and all the kids go crashing against the helm on top of Axe, who is, like, crushed by, like, four children and a bird. And he's like, ah, you should always wear your safety restraints. What are you doing? Thank you for the PSA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's more than one PSA. <laughs> yes. So this bug fighter starts plunging towards water at some point, like rockets off, plunges towards the ocean, and then it like stops and levels out. And Axe is like, oh shit, this isn't like going as well as I thought it would. They start rocketing up again past cities where they can see these lights outside, but they're just like slingshotting past it at high speeds. And Axe goes, okay, maybe we need to reach a certain velocity before we can enter the water. And Jake's like, well... That sounds deadly. And Axe just really calmly goes, well, like anything at this velocity is pretty deadly. So, you know. And uh, they went almost into space and they felt somewhat weightless when Axe is like, I think we've reached the top of our trajectory, trajectory probably. And he's like, you guys should all fasten your safety restraints at this moment if you haven't. And I think they mostly had because at that moment they go rocketing down again at insane speeds and they're like pressed into the back of their seats with their faces flapping all that shit. <laughs> God. And then <laughs> they just crash into the water and become a submarine. And Jake goes, okay, everybody morph. This is going way faster than I thought it was going to. And we just better be prepared because this shit's going down. And sure enough, moments after that, they're hurtling towards the hull of a ship. And right as they're about to hit the side of it, and Marco's like watching. He's like, this is how we die. This is the end. The entire thing breaks away, and it turns out that is the entrance that they were talking about, and the ship takes them in there. They go into a bay with a bunch of mechanic controllers, and it deposits them into an empty bay in there, in the docking area. 
At one point, <sighs> at one point, Rachel was holding Tobias very gently, and I fucking loved oh, it. Yeah, yeah, I loved that too. Just oh. gently holding him. Yeah, don't <laughs> squish his little bird bones. That's right. Just gently hold him. Oh. Okay, so Whew. they disembark. They follow what the other Horkbajer in the area are doing and march in two rows together. They are stopped momentarily by a Horkbajer guard who, like, really investigates acts, like, what the fuck's happening here? But eventually allows them to pass. They make it all the way into the pool where they see Visor One chained up in this platform, just screaming and thrashing. Like, she is days into Candrona starvation. She is just spewing nonsense. Other, like controllers are around the pool like making like jeering threats and like you know mocking her and all this sort of stuff this or three would put her on display like that absolutely fucking he wants them all to know yeah 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 i never for a second doubted that she would be on full display here yeah um yeah she is chained up to this platform she is screaming she is thrashing and every visible inch of her body is bruised broken and bloody it's she is just they beat the shit out of her and in the middle of this screaming rant marco calls out to her he goes mom and for a second she stops screaming and marco's like oh my god my mom's in there and she still recognizes me and Jake just puts a hand on his back. Like, they're both hork and Jake just puts, like, a hork hand on his back, and he's like, we have to do this right. I know it's your mom, but we have to do this right. And they start to, like, come up with a plan. They're like, okay, th- what are we going to do? And Jake's the one that comes up with this whole, like, Axe, do you think we could fly a ship in here? And Axe is like, I am an excellent pilot, but these ships are not as responsive as Andalite ships, and it would be impossible. And Jake goes... Well, that's the plan, because what else are we going to do? <laughs> and so he's like, all right, guys, back to the ship. And, like, he's ordering them at this point. And as they turn, they're stopped by another security force who's like, why did your ship come back overdue? And Jake stays very calm. And he's like, there was engine problems. We had to stop to fix it. And the guards go, that is a lie. The ship checked out fine. And Jake goes, on second thought, everybody run. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Jake tries to slice open the guard that stopped him. And everything just turns into chaos. They start firing on Jake, and it looks for a second like he was hit. But right afterwards, he calls back to them. He goes, I wasn't shot. I ducked under a cart. I'm okay. And so then Axe and Tobias start demorphing into Andalite and Bird. And they take off. And Marco goes to Rachel and Cassie, grab a gun, start firing at Axe. So they do. They grab Drake and Beams, and they chase after Axe, just firing wildly, not hitting him. And they chase him right into the tunnel leading to the ship. Marco's running after them, and then we hear Jake's voice ahead of him saying, Get in here now! I'm already on the ship. And the ship starts powering up. And Marco is, like, panting and sweating, chasing him down. And he realizes, like, oh my god, I've lost Cassie and Rachel. But instead, he just goes, wait for me, wait for me. He jumps up onto the, like, ramp, bounds up it, and they take off as soon as Marco's halfway on board, basically. Um, Controllers are firing at them. They start maneuvering down this tunnel, and Marco goes, we gotta go cruising for chicks, because I lost the girls. <laughs> <laughs> that is the only joke I will accept. I laughed very hard at this joke. <laughs> it was very good. Oh, my God. 
So he starts, he demorphs and he starts going to Gorilla. And it isn't long before they find the girls in the tunnel. And Cassie is kind of cowering, covering her head as a Horkbajer. And they slow down, they open the hatch, and Marco basically just, like, reaches down, grabs Cassie, and pulls her in, and she kind of lets out this, like, little, like, ah, because something grabbed her. And Rachel just, like, full jumps in behind her, like, what's up? I'm here. (laughs) I fucking love it. (laughs) Me too. Just little character (laughs) moments like that is just so good. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so they pull the shields back up around the bug fighter just in time because a maintenance vehicle explodes behind them and sends them rocketing down the tunnel with heat. And Jake is like, Axe, get us out of here. So Axe starts taking them down this tunnel and all of the warning sirens are blazing on this thing because there is not enough clearance for them. They are going high speeds through this like tiny thing. They they say it's like basically if you were the bullet being shot out of a gun, like going down this tunnel would be a similar thing to that. Um, and then they hit a snag where the section narrows out and Axe is like, uh, shit, I'm gonna blast it. And he starts, like, kind of mining out this rock using the Draken beams. And Tobias goes, hey, our shields are failing. We're, we're taking too much damage from this. And they get down below 25% when Jake goes, Axe, can we get through? And Axe pauses and then goes, yeah. And then tilts the ship to a 45 degree angle and continues to rocket down yes. this tunnel at yes. high speeds. So good. Now this is pod racing. (laughs) Oh, shit. So exciting. Oh, it's so, like, the tension is so high. Yeah. Oh, Oh, my God. I love this so much. Yeah. Oh, so they're, like, just careening down this tunnel. There's no room. And Cassie goes, Axe, you're crazy. Like, (laughs) she is freaking the fuck out. Yes. (laughs) They make it into the main pool. They kind of shoot out into the open air. And Axe tries to take over firing as well as, like, piloting, but he's missing. And Marco goes, let the master go to work here. And he takes over control of the gun, which is a Draken cannon, by the way. And he just starts firing at shit and, like, is blowing up, like, you know, oh, look at that radio tower. Like, just (laughs) destroying it. And then he's like, okay, he aims it at the side of the yerk pool because he's like, I don't necessarily want to kill them all and, like, send the spewing everywhere, but I want them to back off so I can get to my mom. And he starts, like, burning through the side of the yerk pool, and everybody takes off. They get a little bit of clearance. They op- they drop the shields, open up the hatch. Marco and Rachel drop down to the pier, and they go to get Visor 1. And Rachel is still in her hork morph, so she starts slicing through the restraints pretty easily, Marco grabs his mom, slings her over his shoulder, and then another bug fighter starts firing on the one where Jake and Axe are, and Jake's like, oh, fuck, we gotta raise our shields, we'll be right back. Which is, like, such a, like, this, I've seen this in so many war movies. Mm-hmm. Like, this is so intense. Like, they, they put the shields back on, they take off, all of a sudden, Rachel and Marco are on their own, yeah. like, with Marco's mom. Oh, shit. Yeah. So they take off running because they're running down this pier. They want to kind of get to some cover because anybody can hit them. They're just like sitting ducks out here. So Marco takes off after Rachel. Rachel gets the end of it and makes this perfect long jump over to another pier. And Marco can't get that much speed because he's not, he's a gorilla. He isn't made for running. He isn't made for jumping. And also his mom, he's carrying her. So he jumps and he ends up slamming into the end of the pier and for his mom just like goes limp. And for just a second, he goes, oh, my God, I just killed my mom. 
but he turns to check her and she isn't dead. Instead, she's screaming, kill it, kill it. And he realizes that the Yerk slug of Visor 1 has vacated and is crawling away across the platform. But at that moment, they are confronted by the most jacked Hork Visor we have ever seen. Hork <laughs> 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 Visor on steroids. Hork Visor on fucking steroids. These guys are jacked. So they all have blue bands as well, as well as being jacked. He's like, this blue banded guy goes, my name's Grath. I'm here to fuck you up, surrender, or die. Uh, he, <laughs> he just has the most like stereotypical army tank man voice in my head. Yes. Ugh. He has that look. He has the voice like, hey, I'm Grath. I'm here to fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> and Rachel's like, surrender, or die. Have you met me? And then she just like launches <laughs> into battle. <laughs> <laughs> me too uh, so Marco's mom while well, Rachel's off battling Marco's mom is screaming like kill it kill it as the yerk is slithering away and Marco keeps trying to like reach out to help her like to get the yerk but every time like he's like sliced or he's shot and like so he just keeps having to turn back to this fight with Rachel and help her and they're kind of shielding his mom like she's protected but she is so weak she can't even like crawl at this point they're, they're battling, their shit's going down, and then above them, a bug fighter gets shot and just bursts into a thousand pieces, and Marco's like, no, because that was Jake, Axe, Tobias, and Cassie, and now they're all gone, and now Rachel and he are stranded here, and Rachel's taking so many hits, her arm is dangling by a piece of loose skin, and she's bleeding out as a Horkvisor now. And Marco's fighting, but he's taking hits and he's weak. And his mom is not really safe. And she's also can't even get up on her own. And then a booming laughter echoes around the whole Yerk pool. And everybody freezes and turns towards this voice. And Rachel just very weakly goes, we have to get out of here. As this giant winged bat skin creature appears and like kind of gives one giant flap and like lifts into the air. And Visor 3 goes, how do you like my bivillard? Is I think how it's pronounced. B-I-E-V-I-L-E-R-D. Yeah, once again he fucking (laughs) brags about some exotic morph that he got from some planet. You know, standard piece of shit. (laughs) <laughs> and normally, I'm like, I fucking hate these beasts. But, like, this is, like, the Balrog unfurling its wings yeah. in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. This is fucking epic. Yeah, and it's like, shit's already so bad, and then this happens. Ugh. Yeah. It's like, oh, you went from, like, a normal, like, kind of battle that, like, is already gone to shit, and then added the fantasy Balrog to this nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But here's what happens. So he flaps up and he announces to them that I have acquired this bivillard and I'm going to shred you because it's D's or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And Marco makes this Herculean effort to try and lift up Rachel and lift up his mom and run with them because he has to get them to cover and they are both too weak to move at this point. But when he does that, they're like screaming in pain and everything as well. And he realizes like he is also too weak to do this. So right as he's like, this is it. I'm too weak. This is the end. He hears a Draken beam fire and the Bivillard is hit right in the stomach and a bug fighter kind of swings out into view. And Marco goes, you were hit. And Jake goes, where's your faith in Axe Man? (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, it's great. So they fire again, and the Bivillard and Visor 3, whatever it is, crash to the ground. The bugfighter lowers down to get them and opens the hatch, and Marco drags his mom in, but she starts resisting very feebly, and he kind of goes like, what the fuck is she doing? And she, like, kind of, he lets her go, and she crawls away towards the edge of the pool, and she starts saying, die, and she's trying to reach and squish the yerk that is crawling towards the pool, but she couldn't get it, and it's, like, a foot away and she grabs it and can't crush it. And so Marco comes over and just splats the yerk. And Marco's mom turns to face him. And her face is just this twisted satisfaction that Marco finds so disturbing on her face. And then he grabs her and drags her into the ship. Oh, my God. Jake. Oh, so intense. She's like, okay, now we can go. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. And then uh, Marco's focused on that and dragging his mom into the ship, Jake and Cassie actually have to drop down and get Rachel because she's too weak to get into the ship. So they grab her and kind of drag her on board. And they're all loaded into the ship. And then we have these two kind of warring plot lines where the bugfighter then gets hit and Cassie's the one that says, oh God, we were hit. And they drop down into the yerk pool and they're sinking. And every time Axe tries to power up whatever engine power they have left, they sink faster and so Visor 3 is screaming, you're mine, you're mine, I'm going to get you. And then you have Rachel, who Jake is trying to, like, talk her through demorphing, and Cassie's trying to talk her through it. And Marco is just holding on to his mom. Like, he finally has his mom back. And Ava goes, overload the Draken beams. And Axe goes, she's trying to kill us. And Marco goes, no, 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 she's free. She's free. Do it. And so she goes, when it gets to 150% overpowered, shunt it off to the engines. And so Axe sets it up, overpowers his Draken beam, and they go rocketing out of there. But it's left enough time for a force to amass around where they are, and they can't outrun them. So Marco is just holding his mom as tight as he can, while everybody else is, like, going through this chaotic, like, what do we do? Rachel's finally coming out of morph, and Jake just goes, we gotta ditch this ship. So they steer off towards the National Forest, close to where this adventure began. They crash the ship there, they bail, and seconds after they get out, the whole ship gets incinerated by the bug fighters. But Marco has come back with a prize this time. <laughs> also, they boiled a bunch yeah. of yurks when they were overcharging the dragon Yes, beams. yeah, shunting off that, that Draken beam power did boil a lot of yurks alive. Yeah. So this was not, this was pretty big losses here. So, Marco is standing with his mom overlooking the Horkbizure Valley. She's looking almost like herself because the Chi had spent a long time healing her up and knitting bones back together and helping her as best they could. But Marco feels wrong. And his mom starts going, Visor 3 has no idea this is here, but it's not going to matter, like, once open warfare is happening. And Marco is like, well, maybe open warfare won't happen. You know, we'll see. Because it was his job to be an optimist, as he said. So they spot his dad below him in the valley. And like a movie cliche, Marco's mom takes off running. And she runs down. They, like, jump into each other's arms. And they just hold each other for a really, really long time. Yeah. That night, there's a feast. And Marco still feels like... He's done something wrong. He still feels guilty. And the hork have brought over this bark, and Marco's like, we can't eat it, but I assure you it's the thought that counts. And he unloads cans of supermarket foods, and 
Marco's dad at the end of this night pulls him aside and he says, like, is there any chance we can save Nora? And Marco doesn't say yes or no. And he's like, what if she had been a controller all along that was just put in your path? You know, she could have been a controller the whole time. And his dad's, like, face falls. He gets really upset. And Marco realizes then that, like, his whole family is broken and he fucked up. Aww. Like, he, I think he knew he fucked up, but he really realizes he fucked up in this moment. Oh, God. And he doesn't want to admit that him abandoning Nora was a bad move. Yeah. Then we cut to the final chapter of this book. The kids are all standing on a beach with the communication box that Axe had made. And they're looking out. Tobias reports there's somebody down the beach, but they're pretty busy with each other. Doesn't think they'll be bugging him. And they're three miles away. Ew. I know. Starts out gross. <laughs> Marco gives us a little recap of, like, he was spending his time with the Chi and, like, the rest of his time in the hork Valley, and he's been keeping a low profile. And at this moment, he and Jake share this look where it's, like, just this acknowledgement. And Marco doesn't even really know what it is. He just knows it's, like, an acknowledgement of their friendship under fire. Yeah. And then... Cassie starts worrying, like, hey, using this box, like, is the message encrypted enough and blah, blah, blah. And Axe starts explaining how it is. But, like, even this encryption was rudimentary to the Yerks. And hopefully they think it's coming from one of their ships. And they're like, we just got to make this call. Like, this is our chance. We have to take it, even if it backfires. And so they boot it up. And after a moment, the light on the side of the box glows this regal blue they connect, and they can hear an Andalite voice on the other end going, Who is this? Who called this channel? Who's trying to communicate with us? And Jake looks at Axe to answer, and Axe just shakes his head and says, No, I believe this is your moment. Oh. And Jake looks at all of them and says, This is Earth. Oh! Fuck. Yeah! <laughs> Ugh! Oh. Fuck. Shit. God, this is so good. Yeah. Yep. God. Yep. My God. Yeah. Good job, Ellen. Good job, Ellen. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh, my God. So, okay. So epic. There's only one thing I'm confused about. Okay. Last time we saw Visor 1, she was... It was the end of Vizard Chronicles, and she was getting reassigned to some other invasion on another planet. Yeah. How the fuck, how did she get back here captured and all that shit? They brought her back to, um, to have Vizard 3 kill her as a traitor. But wasn't, wasn't them sending her away, I don't remember exactly what happened in Vizard Chronicles, but wasn't them sending her away to the other planet kind of like, absolving her of the traitorous nature i guess like initially it was right because she was going to head that other invasion up yeah but something must have happened yeah. where she became a traitor again yeah i just wanted to know what that was uh, i don't know it does not say in this book i don't know either i don't know oh man <sighs> I don't, I don't even know what to talk about. There's so much that, like, I just want to praise about this book. Like, Jake finally getting his moment to be, like, 
the leader of Earth making contact with the Andalites and having that gravity to that situation. Mm -hmm. And that this isn't even a Jake book. This is a Marco book. <laughs> and like Marco struggles the whole time and Nora, him dealing with the guilt of what he did to Nora and like him getting his mom back. Mm -hmm. His mom is back. I know. And, and his dad knows and... and I don't even fucking know. And, and oh my God, his dad has to deal with the whole like, hey, I thought you were dead, so I got married. And how do you feel about that? And I don't know how to feel about that. And oh my God. Oh my God, yeah. Shit. And like, I mean, yes, all of that, but all of that comes after the moment of Marco's dad seeing his dead wife come back. And like, yeah. how many times... After she died, do you think he thought, like, oh, I wish I could just hold her one more time? Uh, and then he got to do it. Oh. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, fuck. It's all bad. And good. And yeah. Bad, simultaneously. It's all complicated. Yeah. Everything's complicated. I don't like it. Why did they have to go and make things so complicated? <laughs> yeah. Ugh, everyone was so good. And Axe was mansplaining the whole time, and I kind of loved it. Axe was so good. <laughs> I want to make a t-shirt of just Axe's face, and he's saying, well, actually. Do it. This is my I'll goal. I'll wear it. Okay. I'll wear it. Yeah, yeah, Axe was great. And Rachel was great. And Cassie was great. And Marco was great. And Jake was great. And Tobias was great. I even liked Eric. Fuck. I liked everybody. They were great. Yeah, same. Eric was great in this book. He was very helpful. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Everyone gets yeah. five for character rating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and even Visor 3 has a moment where it's like, he's still like a campy, booming voice villain, but this was one of the few times where he was actually extremely intimidating when he did it. I And I loved that. I know he showed up in the last book, but I also feel like that didn't really count. You know, like this this feels like the authentic original Visor 3 that we all know and yeah. love slash hate. Like yeah. this was like, I'm going to get you, look at my amazing morph and oh fuck you you ruined everything, but I'll get you. You know, like Next kind of the time. Yeah, kind of the <laughs> cookie cutter Visor 3, but also very scary when he showed up. Like yeah. ah I don't know. Yeah. And oh my god. In, like, it, I, I'm sure I'll kick myself for saying this, but, like, in no other book do we get such a clear-cut Visor 1 was killed. Yeah. Like, crushed. Most of the time it would have been, like, oh, maybe, probably, ooh, we don't know. And, like, or, like, heavily yeah. implied that it happened. But this one, it was, like, she was crushed. By Marco. By Marco. Because Ava was too weak to do it, and so Marco took that onto his mission and oh, made it happen. It's so fucking perfect. Yeah. And because of who we know Visor 1 and Ava to be, the fact that her son did it yeah. is so much more intense. Yeah. At first I was like, oh no, but they might need her for information. But then I'm like, oh, but they have Ava now and it's fine. Yeah. She's got all the info. Oh. It's very good. <sighs> It's very so good. good. And it's, it's like, so good. that wasn't the goal, 
of of the the mission. The goal was just to get them both out and then you know continue to starve Visor One. But just it, oh, it's so good. Well, so good, and like now we also know that open warfare is looming. We're in a doomsday countdown That's of Animorphs books right now. Fucking true. Oh my god. Yeah. And I'm sure that will be relayed to the Andalites at the end. <laughs> hey, Visor One's dead, and yeah, this is about to go down for real. Yeah. Yeah. So that was wonderful. Um, so that was book forty-five. I'm anyways so excited. Yeah. Um, I know we're just gonna round Robin fives, but do you want to still go through character ratings just like for shits and giggles? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What did we think of Jake? It's just So what was the point where you thought it was not Jake like? I'm really curious. Oh, um there was a couple times like on the mission. Like I thought it was super funny when Jake came back in and said like, "Where's your faith in Axeman?" Yeah. But that doesn't strike me as something Jake would do at this point in time. Um especially because it was so directly opposed to when at the beginning of the book, uh, Marco mentions when they first meet up in the barn, that very first meeting, like Jake has one of those like old man moments where he like struggles to like sit down on the hay bale. And, oh. like, and like, then he's no. like, it's okay, he has, like, dad, one... sit down. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's okay, dad. It's going to be fine. Basically, he does that. And then he's like, he says something about like Jake's mind is like so much more aged as well. And yeah. so like, we get that at the beginning, which is totally believable, and, like, that's what Jake has been like. And then it's also, like, but he's also really funny in this book and really energetic, and, like, it's just not something that we've seen from Jake in a while. Yeah. And I liked it, and I don't necessarily believe it's wrong. It just, it was a little jarring. Sure. Yeah, like, like when they were kind of figuring out that they needed to steal a bug fighter, he, like, he got that, like, slow smile on his face, and I was like, ah! <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was just, it, it, like, it wasn't bad. I didn't dislike it, and I didn't think it took me out of the story. It just seemed, like, a little incongruous, I guess. Sure. But I liked it. Yep. And I liked Jake. Yep. And, oh, my God, like, I had such a big, like, swelling of pride at the end of the book when he got to say, this yeah. is Earth. And, like, when Axe hands it over. I like, know! This is your moment. <laughs> this book had so many really good character interactions that, you know, we get every once in a while, and I love them when they happen, but, like, Marco and Rachel, and, and you know, Jake and Axe, and, and Marco and Axe, and just, like, ah. So many good moments. And so many epic moments. Like, this was one of the most Lord of the Rings books we've gotten in yeah. a while. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Lord of the Rings is your bar. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It's so good. That handover moment was exactly like the you bow to no one scene to me. Uh. <laughs> Maybe not. Not exactly like sure. it, but it was that same feeling of like, yeah. what are you doing? This is all you. You did this. Like, You silly Billy. It. Here you go. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Oh. I, yeah, it was so good. It was so yeah. fucking good. All of it. It was so good. And then Rachel killed everybody, and she was great. Oh, my God, Rachel, in this book. Oh, my God. And, like, what I would have given to be... You know what? No. It was perfect the way it was. 
when Rachel was the one that was stuck down there with Marco and was fighting just as hard for his mom instead of being like, drop her, we can get out of yeah. here, we don't have her. And, like, yes, the mission was to recover her for informational purposes. Yeah. But, like, Rachel never went there. Like, get rid of her. It's fine. She yeah. was, like, just as ready to go as Marco was. Yeah. I love that. And for his dad, too, earlier in the book. Yeah. Oh, God. She's such a good comrade. She is. She certainly is. And holding Tobias like a little baby bird. I love it. Because she knows. Like, I must protect him, but also gently because he is a delicate baby. Yes. Exactly. Uh, Like, physically, not emotionally. Like, he's very strong and amazing. Yes. But he also has bird bones and being tumbled like in a washing machine around a ship doesn't always work well with birds. Yes. They don't like it. He was just like squawking indignantly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mad Tobias is so fucking cute to me. I don't even know why. Because he's like, he's so intense and he's got the intense stare and everything. But sometimes when he's just like pouty mad, it's just cute. I know. Like when he was. When Cassie put him in the cage when he got sick and he got mad and she yelled at him and he was just like, <laughs> 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 Ugh, so cute. Yeah. Ugh. God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And Tobias was probably in this book the least. I'm just transitioning right into yeah, Tobias yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, he was probably in this book the least, but like every time he was in here, he was fantastic. He was really funny. Mm-hmm. He was like, he was just great. And it was, it was total like, Tobias, once he's kind of, like, being okay with himself kind of character. Yeah. And it was, like, so good to see that after all the shit he's been through in the past few books. God, I love him so much. He's so great. He's so good. (laughs) Um, And then Cassie. No, Axe. Sorry, I almost skipped your boy and did him at the end. But let's do Axe next. (laughs) Let's talk about Axe. He's, he's fantastic. I love how mad he got. Like, he, he was very much like, I'm an Andalite and I can't believe humans, blah, blah, blah. Um, He was just, like, perfect. All of my favorite parts of Axe came through in this book. Yeah. And I, I loved the, also the tone of, like, we've heard it before about how humans have such a short time between the discovery of flight all the way up to space flight and, like, how, like, fast and how humans kind of leap through technology super Mm -hmm. quickly. And so, like, for Axe to be there at, like, kind of the incubation of this and to still be like, no, like, it took us, like, hundreds of years. Like, how? It was just so cool to, like, there's that whole perspective playing on in the background of this whole other story. And it was awesome to see Axe reacting to that and, like, going through that (laughs) well and he's praised humans before for how advanced they've gotten and he said before like oh i wouldn't be surprised if you guys did this thing in like a very short amount of time but yeah the fact that he you know saw that and he was like what this is what crazy like yeah i like he could have been like oh yeah i knew it all along like humans are amazing but that would have been like disingenuous the fact that he was still just like mad about it was so freaking perfect I love that. And I love the fact that he is like, it is at least like equal to or superior maybe to your technology. Yeah. Like totally. I not love him like, giving that little give. Yeah. 
I don't oh. want to admit it, but uh, okay. Oh, yeah, freaking great. I the other line that just like had me laughing out loud was when he was like, "Well, I don't know. I'm summarizing. I don't. I don't know the ins and outs of your language." Blah blah blah. And Rachel just turns to him and goes, "Live a little." <laughs> <laughs> where did like where did she even pick that up? Honestly. <laughs> But that cracked me up. I loved that interaction yes. too much. Yes. I just, I love how mad Rachel got when X was just like rambling on. She's like, get to yeah. the point. I'm leaving. Come on. Yeah. Get to the point or I'm out of here. Yes. It's like, well, you could leave, Rachel. No one's going to stop yeah. you. You don't have to be here. Yeah. Oh, this is so great. Uh, okay, Cassie. <sighs> My daughter. <laughs> Yeah, she was amazing. I there's so many good points I love, and they're so like minute when you read them. Like it's a single sentence or whatever. But she's the one that set off the entire cascade of events of Marco having to prove to Jake that he can be trusted, which led to him going to the blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. like if he had have been on that duty with Tobias and Axe to like watch his dad at work, that wouldn't have played out how like the same at all. It would have been. I think boring, but like, oh, it was just, it was so good. And it was her that was the one that was like making these calls and the fact that Jake's relying on her for this and yeah. like seeing everybody communicate in the ways that they do is so awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, and she was great. And I did, I love the moment when, you know, somebody mentioned like, oh yeah, by diverting all the energy to the cannons, we're boiling a whole bunch of Yorks right now. And she looked away mm-hmm. out from out the window, like, Oh, it's just such a tiny little one-off mention, but it speaks volumes, and I just love it. Yeah, and that's, like, that's the us or them mentality. Like, that's that's Cassie yelling, if I had to choose between you and the Yerks, I always yes. choose you guys. That yes. doesn't mean, like, it's that encapsulated in this second. Yes! Uh, like, okay, what I really, really adored about this book was that it was very good at insinuation. Like the Mm. author knew that the audience knew a lot of stuff based on the rest of the series. And so she didn't have to spell out every little thing for us, which is interesting because I felt like the familiar, that was its biggest weakness was that there were several moments where like something was (sighs) happening and we knew what it was, but then it was like, it was this thing. Um, Yeah. So just like comparing those two books, it's like, amazing progress maybe it's not progress it's totally different it's a totally different book yeah oh my god and like one of the best instances of that that there is is in every marco book we always hammer home i'm the guy that sees a to b i'm the guy that makes the plan and in this book it said it a thousand times but never once did it come out and say it in words printed on the page yes it was so good I kind of feel like Marco books are some of the best books. Just like thinking back, just a completely one-off comment, but like, holy shit, all of his books are just so strong. Yeah, I'd, I would agree with that from just like thinking about, and again, riding the high of this book as well. Yeah. But like looking back over like just what I can remember, Marco books are definitely some of the most intense 
As are Tobias and Axe books. Well, more I Tobias mean, books, I think, than Axe books. I mean, like, they're all good, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Just... Well, that's not true. Rachel's books haven't been good in a long time. Wow. <laughs> uh, I actually, this is not to derail, but I was out to, this isn't derailing, this is on topic. I was out to dinner the other day, and Shannon just looked at me and she goes, I feel really bad for you because, like, all of Rachel's books have sucked. <gasps> oh no and i was like i know oh no Uh, that's terrible it was the worst but oh no (laughs) Uh, but yeah marco books are are so good and this was just like one of the best marco books like as soon as i looked at this one and saw that we were recording it i was like yes Yes, this book is one of the ones that like sticks with me. I know the plot. I actually did forget the last chapter though that Jake has first contact in the at the end of the book. Oh, really? Because yeah, because I'm so enraptured and like I remember Marco's dad almost getting taken. I remember that he sacrifices Nora. I remember that they get his mom back. I knew the whole like Horkbajer Valley thing, and I totally forgot that this was like this single chapter stood out as like this is the like first contact with yeah. Andalite. Like which is monumental. Yeah. And yet it's completely overshadowed. <sighs> yeah, fives all around. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like no contest. Yeah, no question. Everybody everybody gets a five. Even like I would even give Visor three a five for not because I like him, but because I he was very yeah. good in this book. Yeah, he was very much himself. Yeah. For all the good and the bad that that entails. Mostly bad. Mostly bad. <laughs> oh, boy. Now we got to do our oh top boy. or our, our book ranking. Oh, yeah. Five books. Last five books. Let me pull up the page so we can recap what they are. Okay. So. The Familiar. Your favorite book of all time. Ugh. <laughs> The Journey. I know, where, I know where that fucking shit's going. <laughs> the Journey. My favorite book of all time. <laughs> <laughs> the Test, which was the Tobias book where they went... Okay, sorry. I should really recap. Okay, so the film earlier, which was the dream book by Jake where he went and was a dude, like a grown dude and a controller, all that shit. The Journey, which is the one by Rachel where they face the Helmicrons and some chapters by Marco, Rabies. Rabies. The test. <laughs> Rabies. Underlined. The test, which was Tobias's book, where he went into the tunnel as Taxin and shit went bad. The Unexpected, which was the Cassie book, where we went to Australia. Good eye, mate. And oh. it was a lot of fun. Learned about boomerangs. Good PBS documentary. And then The Revelation, this book. Mm. Three of those are by Ellen Garreau, and they are all going to fall in different places. I, right? <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, so I've got three places, and then I'm waffling about two. Okay, tell me tell me all. Obviously, Jake's book's in fifth place because fuck that sure. book. Sure. We're, that's going to be the, my bottom Animorphs book for, I think, the whole series. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Rachel is fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm waffling about third and second because, like, I think I enjoyed the Cassie book more, 
But the okay. Tobias book was also like very intense, and I loved all of the tax and taxonomy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously this book is first because it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna put Cassie in second place just because I loved it so much. It was such a fun book, even though it didn't really like add a lot of things in the grand scheme of the story. It was still a really doesn't matter. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Okay, that's my placement. And that's also the episode that we ended up casting Sue Sylvester for. <laughs> that, that random controller. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Um, okay, here's my ranking. Okay. Emily Costello, send her right down to the fucking bottom of the ocean. Get the journey out of here. <laughs> Fuck the Helmicrons. Fuck that shit. <laughs> oh, am I not surprised? <laughs> because I hate that book so much. My least favorite book of all time, of the entire series, it is gone, good, blasted out of here. Wow. If you, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, I'll take one Let's Rachel book if we didn't have to read that steaming pile of shit. <laughs> oh, wow. So, then it's the familiar, because it wasn't good. But, hey. But then I did get to sing the, the It's a Departure many times so that's true. that made it better than the journey <laughs> and many other things made it better <laughs> um then this was very difficult for me as well but i am gonna put cassie's book in third place okay i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was a great book i love the australian adventure it's another one that i can remember really well but the tobias book the test i think has to go second for me because both actual like legitimate reasons and also because it just really it was one of the last animorphs books i read so it was like that joy of discovering it and being like oh my god look here's another one like i get another gift of having a book i hadn't read before of this i loved that and i love tobias going through that shit Mm -hmm. and him just like testing his metal and coming through it stronger Mm -hmm. and it was just so good Mm -hmm. and i love that personal journey i mean cassie had one too but she also had, like, broader influences in that. Yeah. So, yeah, The Unexpected, third, The Test, second. And then this book, obviously, is first. <laughs> because it's fucking amazing. Yes. <laughs> uh, <sighs> has this been the first time that all of our rankings have been different except for our number one book? I don't know. I don't know either. It feels like it. Because I feel like a lot of the times we talk each other into, like, yeah, what that's we want. true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's in, entirely personal with with those two. Like, ugh. The journey was the fucking worst. I just didn't get as like, I was not impressed with it, but I didn't get as mad about it as I did with with the familiar. So, yeah, and like I didn't think the familiar was good, but I didn't get as mad yeah. at it as I did the journey. Yeah. So, well, our feelings are the exact yes. same, just about two <laughs> different books. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Oh, oh my god. Man. It's just so funny how that worked out. Like, our two least favorite books of the series right next to each other. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I mean, Oof. for me, it just, like, I we started so low and then we ended so high. So I that know. was a really good journey for me. That was, that was an extremely good. And, like, I know I put Tobias's book in second, but, like, it really was, like, a climbing ladder of, yeah. like, really good books. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a real, like, 
how low the series can go and also how high the series yeah. can go. Yeah. And my Axie so Boy good. is next, which is yes. exciting. Yeah, we're going to have to start uh, changing it to do our, our Axe. Like, after we read Axe, then we'll have to look back over six books. Yeah. So, so, oh, yeah. oh, boy. Axe has two more books. Mm-hmm. They do. Yep. Jake's got two more books. And Rachel kind of kind of has two more books and then we go to Tobias oh this Tobias book's good sorry now I'm just looking at the covers <laughs> and going oh this is gonna be good oh 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 I get to yeah. look at the next cover yeah dun, dun, dun. let's see throw that in the done pile deception <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the dumpster what huh enhance wait I can't enhance I gotta open it Describe it to me, because I am not looking at it. It is X. He is morphing into a weird um, pilot man. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, pilot man in a green jumpsuit. The Animorphs Uh, have never met Vizzer 2 until now. Ooh! Dun-dun-dun. Ooh, this is so exciting. (laughs) I'm ready for it. Any, Any last thoughts on this book before we move on i don't think so it's just so good it's so good it is so fucking good and if you guys listeners want to talk to me about how fucking good this book is <laughs> you can do that please you can you can email me at anonymous at gmail.com you can go onto our facebook group at animorphs anonymous you can go into our super secret super awesome facebook group which is the andalite bandalites which is Facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. You can check us out on Instagram where I post all of my shitty images. Usually, this week I've been slacking, but soon, uh, at Animorphs Anonymous. Or you can go on Twitter. We will not respond to you, but you can tweet at us at Animorphs Anon. (laughs) It's funnier now to say we're not going to do it. (laughs) We have a Twitter account. It hasn't been used in several months. Uh, Many. Yeah. Um... Yes, find our podcast on other podcast hosting sites such as Spotify, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, Podbean. Yes. Tell me about your comic. I write and draw a comic. It is called Beside You. You can look at that at B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U-Comic.com. Please go look at it. I love it. It is very good. And the other day, you posted a thing on your Patreon, for which I am a patron of your Patreon. I don't know if those words are correct. <laughs> but you posted one the other day, and it was immediately apparent to me that there was a Green Day song. And I messaged you out of nowhere, we were not talking, and just all caps said, GREEN DAY! With like 14 exclamation points. Yes! And that was delightful. Yeah. If you like Green Day, so go look at my comic. If you like Queen, if you like Green Day, if you like Angry Professors, this is your comic. <laughs> <laughs> There's other I like stuff all too. of those things <laughs> All of those are seemingly pretty minor in the story But yes, you can go look at those I don't know uh, Alright, let's get out of here Before we Make buffoons of ourselves yet again Okay That's Or maybe I'll leave you here to be infested Because maybe I don't accept you as my step parent Wow <laughs> That one went dark My I'm heart sorry. and soul <laughs> I'd accept you as my step-parent anytime. I'd never leave you. Good! Because now I'm less sad that you've said that. Good. I'm glad. 
Because I love you the most. Aww. I would go into the Yurk pool for you and get you off the platform. Aww, and save me from my horrible Grecian torture. Yes, I would do that. Thanks. I'd do it for you, no too. Problem. I'll be there for you. I'll be there for you. This podcast always ends on us singing. This is... Oh, no. That's happening. Okay, y'all, bye. Okay, bye.